Hello, and welcome to Muse to the Pharaoh, a Prince podcast from a woman's perspective. I am your host, Darling Macy. Um, first, I want to introduce what this podcast is about. I'm a contributor to the Prince podcast, and we're talking about expanding out to offer different perspectives on Prince. And we noticed there weren't a ton of purple podcasts that were from a female perspective, and also not really one that was staffed by a younger age group. So this is an experiment in hitting both of those targets. For me, I'm really passionate about exposing some of the topics or music that doesn't often get talked about, like his 90s and later work or some lessons I perceive between the notes and his music. Uh, if you see some of the things I post on Tumblr, I have his Lessons from the Professor series where I talk about some of the lyrics or write short reflections on what they mean to me. Um, more kind of not self-help, but noting that while the music's good, what he's actually saying is just as impactful. So this podcast is going to be digging um, deeper into his music and talking about how people respond to it or feel seen by it or learned by it, while also helping to get people to reconsider some of his projects that may not have resonated with him for some time. So when we're done, everybody's going to love Tony in. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> um, everybody doesn't already love I mean, Tony in? You know. So today we're going to talk about... Um, our first topic is going to be how people's lives have changed since Prince ducked out. Um, joining me today is what I call my roundtable of Tumblr friends. We all got together shortly after Prince transitioned to share like bootlegs and news and thoughts about Prince. And we've been going strong for like two years now. So um, if you guys could just introduce yourself, share your age and how you discovered Prince. And we'll start with Crystal. Okay. So, well, my name is Crystal. Um, I'm 25 years old. I um, first got into Prince when I was about 13, but um, I had heard him my whole life through my mother because my mother was a huge Prince fan. Um, in 2006, you know, for her birthday, I got her the 3121 album and she just invited me to listen to it. And it was history from there. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much how I got into Prince. Cool. Uh, um I'm also 25 years old. Discovered Prince. I kind of came onto him on my own. Um, probably around like high school and it wasn't really a big thing um, my parents are from Nigeria so I had no real like cultural inheritance from them everything I found out was on my own um, I think I probably got uh, either Purple Rain or 1999 just from the library and was just like blown away um, yeah that's my origin hmm. cool Stephanie Hi guys, um, I'm Stephanie, 28, and like Crystal, um, I was indoctrinated into Prince uh, through my mom. She was a huge Prince fan, um, and I just, I always say that um, Prince is one of my earliest um, music memories, uh, Sign of the Times in, in particular, that was one of my mom's favorite albums. Um, and so just growing up listening to him, um, it got even uh, more intense post-transition, but um, he's always been a, a top musical influence for me, for sure. Nice. And Erica? Uh, hi, I'm Erica. I'm 34. And... Uh, Purple Rain came out the year that I was born, and my mom was obsessed with it. So 
I grew up listening to Prince my whole life. We had, you know, my mom, we didn't watch a lot of TV, so my mom would put on music and we'd dance around the living room. And, like, the hits and the B-sides was one of our favorites that we'd put on. So he, I, he was always kind of there growing up. And then when I was in college, I was downloading music illegally, which Prince would super not approve of. <laughs> and my roommate at the time was, like, a huge Prince fan. And so I was downloading, like, Sexy MF and all these songs that were, like, new to me. And... I stumbled across Pussy Control, and I lived and died by that thing for years. It was like, this is my favorite song, whatever. So anyway, it was then that I really was like, oh, this guy has, has way more music than the hits, and started to get super into it. And then after he passed, I really went off the deep end, watching yeah. whatever I could, and listening to whatever I could, reading every single article, and um, like, you know, a sane person might. So that's <laughs> where I'm coming from. Cool. Um, and I guess I'll go. So I'm Kanisa, Darlene Nisi, 33 years old. Uh, first memory of Prince was probably a door, just hearing him on the R&B radio stations. Um, but the one that resonates with me the most was being at a Baylor University football game and their local pop station was playing their tunes or whatever. And there's this one song that came on and it sounded like country. And I was like, that sounds weird are they branching out and it turns out it was cream which obviously is a country but um, <laughs> I, I was like oh okay so um a lot of the 90s for me I, I resonate with that time and later because he was around a lot he was on especially for the black talk shows he was on vibe a lot um soul train um just different shows like that he was on um uh, Tavis Smiley shows like on BT so he's kind of always around and then when he came out with the most beautiful girl video I was really into gymnastics at the time around 96 and was on the tumble team at school and Dominique Dodds was in that video so I was like oh my gosh this is amazing um but for the 90s it was a lot of it was more based on hey this song sounds cool and then I didn't really identify with what he was saying until like college because I you know you start to date and things like that and I remember Musicology came out and me and my friend at college were like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Why is no one talking about this? And everyone's like, Prince is old. I'm like, what? And then 3121, maybe I wrote some stories around a couple songs in that album. Oh. I'm not going to talk about that. <laughs> but um, it, it's kind of like, as I got older, I got more mature and I was able to understand what he was talking about in his music mm -hmm. past the actual funkiness and niceness of the music and that's when he I think I entered him in my harem or whatever with you know Michael and um Quincy Jones and everybody in like 07 or so and started writing about him on my blog and it just became a thing <laughs> so okay so those are our origin stories for Prince and so the topic for today is how your life has changed since he transitioned so if you guys could just talk about how you found out um and we'll go from there. Erica, you go first. Oh, um, well, I live in California, so it was like really early in the morning for me. Um, and I was at work and I saw it, a friend of mine whose wedding I went to, who walked down the aisle to I Would Die For You, posted a thing on Facebook and that was how I saw it. And then, yeah, I don't know. It was, I went into shock and just started like immediately went to YouTube like what's all the stuff I can find and then tried to verify that it wasn't him which was really depressing mm -hmm. um but yeah that was how I found out mm. how about you Crystal 
Um, so I was at home and I think, I don't know, you know what my day was, but I was definitely in bed and I was just scrolling through social media and I believe I saw it on Instagram first. Um, I think Ebony Magazine might have put, was been the, like the first post that I saw of it. And at that point, um, it wasn't confirmed. It was just um, reports that, you know, the police and everything had been sent to Paisley Park. And then once, you know, the news actually did, was confirmed by a rep, um, the first thing I thought about was my mom. Because the fan that I am now, I definitely wasn't before he died. Um, as far in you know, in the sense of fanaticism is concerned. Um, so it really didn't hit me for a long time, probably not until I really started to research and get into um, other things that I didn't know about. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much how I found out. I was just at home, regular day, scrolling through social media, and it was just like, wow. Mm. Really. How about you, Fisaya? Um, Yeah, I was also at work um, when I first heard. Uh, I'd been sick, and I think it was like my first or second day back. And uh, me and my supervisor shared an office at the time, and it was like mid-afternoon, I think. I heard some commotion in the suite outside my office. And uh, my supervisor didn't know I was like a big, I wasn't, you know, I try not to go above a two or really share my life in the office. She didn't know I really was into Prince. And um, she just kind of walked in and blurted the news. She like shouted, Prince is dead. Oh my God. And of course, you know, yeah, it, <laughs> I took a beat before like it sunk in and then I felt like I'd been punched in the gut, of course. Mm. And I only like half believed it because I mean, that's like the most absurd sentence. But um, yeah, so we just went into the thing that you do when like a public figure dies. Um, we did our Googles and my supervisor was like, oh, they found him in an elevator. And I just had to like tuck it away so I didn't unravel in the office. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how I found out. Wow. Stephanie? Um, so I was actually getting ready for work. Um, and I remember seeing the first report on Facebook. Um, and then as soon as I saw that report about them finding a person unresponsive at Paisley Park, mm. um, I got a text from my cousin and it was a group it was a group text uh, with my cousin, my mom and my aunt because we're all huge Prince fans. She was like, somebody was found unresponsive at Paisley Park. And we were just going back and forth like, well, it better not be Prince because we all know how awful 2016 was as far as losing people. <laughs> and so uh, I just remember even when uh, news of his plane doing the emergency landing, we were like, not, mm-hmm. not Prince 2016. I know you better not. So seeing that first report, we were all like, okay, it's not him it's not him and as I'm going through the rest of my routine getting ready for work get another text it was Prince Prince is dead and I just remember like I was in the middle of brushing my hair I'll never forget and I just like stopped and dropped my brush and I was just staring straight ahead in my mirror like oh my gosh oh my god like complete shock like Erica said so um I get in the car and I, I'm driving in a daze, of course, and and I rarely listen to the radio, but I happened to turn on the radio that day just to see what news I could find out. And, <laughs> and 
Pop Life was playing and I just immediately burst into tears and I, I look back and laugh now because it's like really Pop Life but mm-hmm. I just <laughs> like <laughs> I, I had a moment I with Pop Life it. too I get you yeah like I just I lost it at Pop Life and, and so mm-hmm. um, when I get to work it was really surreal because a lot of people knew that I was a Prince fan so I had people like talking to me my cousin at the time worked there and we're all just in in the days but what really got me was my home office is in minnesota it's right in eden prairie so um i was hearing from the supervisors out there that they had to like pull agents off of the phone because they were inconsolable and i was just like really yes absolutely um and it was insane i i just you know i i knew how loved he was and how impactful he was but kind of staring that reality in the face and seeing how it impacted people that I had never even thought <laughs> would, you know, be into him like that. Um, that was a gut punch for sure. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. So I guess my story <laughs> that day I had the worst migraine. And so I stayed home from work and I remember I was reading, um, uh, the Ronin Row Prince book. Uh, I, I, I brought, well, let me back up. About a week prior, um, I went to the last concert. Um, and I just had to say, it was my first Prince concert. And it was crazy because it's very intense. Because <laughs> I remember when I left, I felt overwhelmed. Um, like my head was static and I couldn't really think straight. And I was like, what is this? Because this seemed like a really kind of life-changing kind of event. And it sounds kind of cliche to say that, but it, it was. And so I had been a Prince fan before, but after that, it just got super intense. I got my title subscription. I listened to his entire discography, what was on title and what I could find in the bootlegs from start to finish. I read um, a bunch of books. I remember I got the audiobook of the Ronin Row book um, and a bunch of others. And it was just very intense. I'm like, okay, so let me make sure I'm going to stalk Prince forever now. I'm going to like meet him. We're going to date. <laughs> and so on the 21st, I stayed home from work because I had a really bad migraine. And it was worse than usual because I usually get them. But that day I had was a little nauseated and things like that. And it was interesting because my birthday is the 22nd. And so I kept getting a bunch of text messages all day to make sure I was coming to work on the 22nd. I didn't know why, but I was like, okay, whatever, guys. Um, but I got a text message from a coworker. I remember I was sitting on my couch reading the Road and Row book for the second time. And he said a body was found at Paisley Park. And of course, I did the same thing like Stephanie. I was like, oh, I'm sure, you know, somebody got like drunk or something or took a drug and they found him or whatever. And then um, it came through that it was Prince. And I remember I got this wave of nausea and I like went to go throw up. And then I was like, what? And CNN was horrible. And they had like, oh, I'm crying now. Gosh, sorry. <sighs> they had a little subtitle that said, Prince, Prince is dead. And I was like, that's really callous. Do you have to say it like that? But oh. um, it was a lot because I literally had just spent every day the last week, like, not to like change my life to, you know, be around Prince, but to really go deep. And I was learning mm-hmm. so much more. And I understood like his music uh, and how it, um, or it, it was, I, I mentioned earlier when I want people to appreciate more that the music sounded good. There's also an aspect of you feel seen. And there are a lot of songs that he wrote um, 
from like just knowing yourself or even like sex like sex is supposed to be enjoyable what (laughs) you know it's 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 he gave me a vocabulary that I I never really said out loud but I always Mm. thought about through his songs and he put things into words and um I was like yes finally someone understands and then he dies and like of course of course (laughs) so yeah and then like the story everybody has right after that and then you're like 10 levels deep and want to know everything and see everything read every story Mm -hmm. and hear Mm -hmm. everything there is to know about prince and um that's what starts to make these changes so i am like bawling but um (laughs) (laughs) next okay girl let it out (laughs) like he taught me how to feel that's for sure so um the next thing I want to talk about are some of the key things that you learned as you started to dig deeper. I know as a group, um, when we formed our group, we were sharing a lot of bootlegs and just performances and books and things like that. And one thing that we also do is um, have watch parties. So we'll hop on and you know chat and talk about what we're seeing. And I remember the first thing, I, I just want to get this out of the way. One of the first things we watched was Three Chains of Gold. and we were not involved at this time (laughs) and we had some comments about some people uh in that and so i want to talk about that for a little bit and one of the stars or the focuses of three chains of gold was maite so so let's talk about uh how we evolved and how maite helped us (laughs) who wants to talk about that No comment. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's the thing. Midway through Three Chains of Gold, which is a convoluted, there's no, there's a story, but like you have to watch it like eight times to like piece together like, oh, this is what you're trying to say. So anyway, Mm -hmm. on the first pass, he's got his whole band and there's like a six minute segment with his whole band talking smack about Maite and Mm -hmm. wondering What's her purpose? Why does she what what does she do as if she's some kind of Yoko Ono figure to Prince? <laughs> and the first time viewing it, you don't I don't know. Like having I don't know how to explain it, but that's how it's set up. Mm-hmm. So you're like, oh my day. And then you read her book and you're like Maite. Yeah. Yeah. Switches a little bit. Absolutely. We came around on that. Yeah. I mean, for me, because I like to be just honest, a lot of it had to do with just being salty. So (laughs) 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 I came into it like prepared to not care for her because she was there and I wasn't. So, um, but, but also to Erica's point, it is when you watch that, it is kind of set up for you to be like, what is her purpose? What does she do? Um, actual quotes from the movie. Yeah. What is like, her purpose? What does she do? What does she do? Like, Why? She's in a band now? Like, that's what they say about her. Please seek it, it out doesn't and watch make, it. Yeah. They just slander her. And he, then he put it in his movie. Yeah, for the world to consume. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, but then, you know, again, like Erica said, you read the book and you get context and you um, understand her journey. And for me, if if you can't empathize with what she went through, 
mm-hmm. and and appreciate that about her um, and appreciate how raw she was in that book too because she didn't have to write any of she didn't have to write in the first place so the fact that she mm-hmm. shared it um, is a huge thing but the fact that she she shared it as you know as honestly as she could with I'm sure creative license of course but um, yeah I just I, I came out of that like. I was so wrong about <laughs> how I perceived her to be so naive and and maybe even a little um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Maybe even a little um, cunning to to I guess is the I can't think of the word that I'm looking for, but um, I know people throw out gold digger and I never got that, but just trying to position herself to be in his you know in his um in his life I, that was what I went into with it and it just I came out of it doing a full you know 180 like no I was so wrong about you and not only do I respect you I like you deeply <laughs> right. yeah yeah just complete change um so for me, um, if you guys remember how tough that journey was for me, mm-hmm. um, I think what it was when I when I read my taste book was that it painted Prince um, in a light that I wasn't really ready to, um, I guess, see. Um, you know, and I wasn't sure that I really understood. Um, everything that you know the choices that she made and the choices that they made together and the choices that he ultimately made at the end of their relationship and so um, for people that of course don't know I definitely took some time it wasn't a lot of time but I definitely had to take time (laughs) and just kind of like think about um, and try to like understand and and see her view and kind of maybe see his perspective because um, it definitely painted the human side of him and, and I probably was just in that boat of he can do no wrong or he was perfect or that he um, it was always someone else's fault. You know, I, I feel like it wasn't all, my view wasn't completely that, but it definitely had some um, some semblance of that. And so what eventually brought, of course, brought me back was the music and then, um, you know, understanding that you know, mentioning what Steph said, she didn't have to share what she did. It was probably a, um, it was a grieving moment for her. It was definitely, mm-hmm. you know, she opened herself up to a lot of criticism and a lot of, um, you know, a lot of attack and a lot of, um, but a lot of love too, because we do at the end, at the end, we did appreciate um, what she brought to us, um, not just from her her life, but their life together and just Prince as an individual. I feel like um, I see him better than before. Mm-hmm. I feel like you have to accept um, that human part of him to really accept the person because he's not perfect mm-hmm. and he never was and he had his issues and you know they went through a tremendous amount in 10 years and um, you know, so yeah, you know, my take at, at the beginning, it was probably just, you know, we all kind of just was on this bandwagon of, you know, who are you? And, you <laughs> what know, is your purpose? Why? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, what is your angle here? And, you know, we, we probably have that 
that view about everyone who, you know, if anyone in his path yeah, was to write a book, sure. you know what I mean? Um, and then yeah. reading the book and kind of, you know, seeing that pain and um, seeing that vulnerability and seeing a side of him that I was not ready to see, um, it definitely, I had definitely had to take a moment and just sit back and be like, wow, okay, now is this, do I still feel the same way? And, and yes, and the answer was yes at the at the end because it, you know, at the end of the day, his music is the reason why I, it's the first reason um, yeah, yeah. why we're all, you know, we all came together um, and why we're all fans and why we'll all be at Paisley and, you know, yeah. it's his music. And so, um, I am appreciative because appreciative to my Tay because of um, you know that perspective that she brought. Mm-hmm. Definitely, and I, I like what you said, Crystal, about the bandwagon because that's pretty yeah. much what it was. If you think like so much of what we knew about Prince's world and the people around him are pretty much like it's mostly hearsay. You know mm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or something mm-hmm. someone said in an interview and you just don't know which way to take it. So I feel like regarding Maite, there was just a, a lot of like unanswered questions. Some questions that Prince brought up himself in the video. and didn't even, <laughs> like, He didn't answer them by the end. So, you know, <laughs> with all these confused, like, you know, all these questions and you in just. true Prince fashion. Exactly. And it was easy. It was really easy to be like dismissive of Maite um, yeah. and their relationship. Even though I feel like in the back of at least for me, in the back of my mind, you kind of know something must have been going on that was really deep because you know that they, you know, had a son together and the son did not survive. And you know that, like, there must be part of the story that you're missing. But it was just a lot easier to just kind of dismiss her as, like, you know, you know, she wasn't as significant. And then when she, after Prince um, left and she kind of just popped back up, you start to get, you know, an I started to feel an, an icky vibe a little bit, just like, oh, like I think Stephanie said, she's just trying to make herself more important um, just for the notoriety of it all. Um, and so that was like a slap in the face when I read her book. Mm-hmm. You kind of learn a lesson in like, you never know what someone is going through. Mm-hmm. You never know how much of the story you don't have. Mm-hmm. Um, and you learn a little bit more about grief too. Because mm-hmm. you could tell that there was so much healing. I hope that there was so much healing um, right. in writing that book. Um, and there were a lot. There was a lot of stuff in there that I never thought I would hear about Prince. Um, so that was it. Was it was pretty special. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like all you guys said, it. What some of the biggest lessons I've learned for myself. Uh, one of the, the big highlights was my taste book, um, and especially learning kind of like, why do you care? Like, why do we care so much whether or not someone pops up later and like, why are we judging them for that? Or right. like you said, we don't know what their life is. Their perspective is theirs. It's okay to observe her perspective and not think anything about it because it's just all information. And mm-hmm. um, I know for me, from the experience of reading her book, it taught me to for real not judge. Like anytime, like in my normal life, if I see someone reacting to something, I don't automatically take offense to it or I'm not like, oh, well, there's they're this, that, and the other because I don't know why they're like that. I don't know how their day has gone. I don't know what kind of traumas happened in their life to have them respond to certain ways. So I'm like, that's their, that's their life. That's their journey. And they're allowed to have their experience, you know? And um, mm-hmm. I really apply that to everybody, especially when coming out of the Prince camp. 
like in my family situations where sometimes they're mad at me. I'm like, okay, I know you're like that because of this other thing that you're really responding to. So I'm not going to take offense to whatever's happening right now. I kind of have adopted that with everything. And it really was something that I learned from reading my taste book because like all you guys said, we were all like, uh, yeah, okay, my day. And then after mm-hmm. I was like, oh, and so I feel <laughs> Oh, I was gravely wrong. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I, I literally, like, I truly just, I mean, I might comment on something sometimes, but I quickly follow it with, but I don't know their situation. And it's not fair for me to judge their situation. And really, it's none of my business anyway. So, um, right. yeah. So that that was an interesting shared experience. And I, I, I'm with you, Crystal, for like two weeks after that. I was like, yeah, me and Prince are best friends. We're just friends. Right. Oh, gosh. Right. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I mean, he's not cute or anything. I mean, I guess he looks okay. But, you know, he's just my best friend. And then I think. Did anyone but Denise buy that? <laughs> no, not at all. I think oh. it was like some picture, like a jam picture or something that changed my mind. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, we can never we mind. Can. Back square one. <laughs> or lower. Yeah. Um, Okay, so let's talk about like some of the performances that you saw uh, or heard that kind this is of embarrassing for me. <laughs> <laughs> I have to out myself. Go it's ahead, the, Sis. Um, oh gosh, darn it. Um, well, I didn't know how to find anything, so I would just sit on YouTube because just stuff just started coming up. So I watched like all of the Purple Rain show from Syracuse and stuff, and I would just watch full shows as they came up. And the one that got me was um, the 1986 Detroit show. Number that tame shit. Who wants some head? Oh my Just, God. Mm. Oh, sorry. But it's so good. I fully went down. That was when I went off the deep end because it was weeks later and my friends were like, are you still listening to Prince? And I was like, oh, this train is not stopping. They were, this is so, we've just boarded. And I went out of my way and I bought a bootleg DVD of that show. I found out what it was. I found out where to get it. And I have a DVD of that show. I didn't even know I have a way to watch it. <laughs> Um, so that was, that was, um, what, what really got me into like, oh, I need to watch all of this man's shows start Mm. to finish. Um, so I guess I'll, um, jump on the, the Detroit show bandwagon really quick. Mm. And I remember, um, it had to be within the week of his passing, and it wasn't even the full show. It was on YouTube, and it was just the head performance. And oh, yeah. I, and I, when I tell you that changed my life, because I had never seen it before, and it changed my life, and, I, and that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> so half the views on that video are from Crystal, and half are from me. We can just, uh, we need to, we need to make that third, because <laughs> if that video, I kid you guys not, if that video was still up on YouTube, you could go through the comments and see how many times I was there over months. <laughs> thing, I am not proud of it, but that concert and the the eighty two Capitol Theater concert um, for uh, controversy, those two 
were the two that really took me into the deep end because like Erica said, a lot of stuff was popping up on YouTube. And then I was just, so I'm not, I'm, I'm not a, a bootleg finder person at all. <laughs> like I leave that to the professionals, Crystal, Kanisa, you guys are amazing at that. <laughs> um, I just don't have the, the time or the, the, the savvy to, to locate that way. But I, I was for a time going in and fight, um, finding a ton of different videos. So I had saved, uh, I went, <laughs> bought one drive. <laughs> I the, yeah, I bought one drive. I was like, no, I need space so I could save all these videos, download them from YouTube all over the internet, wherever I could find them. And I got from like, all the way from whew, the New York Dirty Mind show, the Paris Dirty Mind show, all the way to some shows in 91 that I had downloaded and saved. I was like, great, let's get into this. So, um, yeah, but those two, the Capitol Theater um, and the the Cobo Hall, um, those two. And, of course, every single 1999 concert. That's just a Yeah, I didn't even go into that because, like, yeah, of course, we know. But... Um, those two, because when he started taking off the suspenders at the Capitol Theater, I about lost my mind. In his two big pants? In his two that big pants. That, that would fall down. For that reason. would not fall down. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, that and then head on that concert, too. Um, yeah, with the guitar licking. Yeah, okay, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, I also want to just add that um, the first concert that I had ever saw of Prince um, was Raven to, the, oh. you know, the, that's my very first concert I ever saw. And so oh my God, the I, one with Lenny Kravitz. Of course. And <laughs> I had the DVD. So, of course, I that was the first thing that I watched, um, you know, after I had my life turned upside down by head at <laughs> Capitol Hall. So, yeah. <laughs> I saw that the other day at Amoeba, by the way. It was on sale, and I should have bought it <laughs> yeah. just to have it. because Yeah, I paid $10 for mine at FYE. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> uh, how about you, Fisaya? Uh For me, it's, I'm try- it's funny, because I told myself after he first passed, I told myself I wasn't go down into the deep. <laughs> like, Girl, we all told ourselves I that. know. <laughs> I remember having this conversation with myself. Like, mm-hmm. you're not going to do this. And I totally <laughs> did. Like, like you said, Erica, like all that stuff popped up on YouTube. Um, I think the like turning, turning point was probably when I saw, it wasn't even like the entire Sign of the Times concert. It was just like one or it was probably I think it was it's a beautiful night. Yep. Gonna be a beautiful night. That go- yeah. I yeah. Was, I was watching my it. second gateway drug. Yes. It's so good. And I um I was at work when I watched it too. And um yeah, just the level of theatrics, everything <laughs> that he put in, you know, on the stage and his outfits and stuff, I was like I think that's when I was taken out. Yeah. Hmm. I'm trying to think. I don't. When it first happened, I don't know that I got spun up on the concerts because I remember we were talking about Detroit, 
and all you guys were going crazy overhead or some other stuff. And I was like, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't know what it is. <laughs> or maybe I was just doing something else. I'm like, what are you talking about? Or, um, well, I do remember, though, one of the things that spun me out that I always try to downplay was North Sea <laughs> Jazz Show 2. <laughs> Oh my god! Yes. mentioned she was like because I had I started out I was like uh, I only want to watch pro shot stuff which is stupid don't do that yeah. guys but I was like okay let me try this thing because she said it was good and so I remember I was working from home and I had it up on my second monitor and I started hearing these sounds and I looked over and he was like on the microphone doing stuff I kid you not like I felt like I got really hot like I was overheating <laughs> I paused it I stood up from my computer and walked outside my office and was like. I'm not going back in there. <laughs> like, I don't even know how to deal with that. Like, I don't even know these emotions that I'm feeling right now. What is this? I'm freaked out. And then I, I kept trying to like get through it. I think it was like joy and repetition or something like that. And I yes, kept, it like, is. Yeah. So I could play. I went like 10 seconds, stopped it. I was like, nope, I can't do this. I can't. <laughs> and then I remember posting in our group. I was like, hey guys, um, sending me some moral support. I think we should watch this as a group because I literally cannot get through this by myself. <laughs> <laughs> and and um it's like those type of things it's interesting because usually like I'll, I'll start i listen to boots more than i watch stuff even though i have like my friday night have a sip and watch things i, I generally spend more time listening and mm-hmm. so i remember one thing i spun on was a verge oh one day i wanted to find the definitive version of shh and that's from the gold experience and I was like, I feel like he never really sells it. Because whenever I listen to gold era versions of that, he, he seems kind of um, not disconnected from it. But that song is very like sensual and erotic and he never really sells it. And I want a version where he sells he kinda, it. Yeah, he, he kind of sounds like the, the regular track. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. It gets better. when I hurt your feelings. Wait, wait. <laughs> but continue okay so i'm going through all my bootlegs i find a version from 2006 i think is one of the versace experiments and he's singing it a different way i remember it was two o'clock in the morning like 2 two thirty in december sometime it was really cold outside and i heard the version and i was like i've made a mistake <laughs> in trying to think out the version <laughs> Again, the response of getting really hot, I had like a slight panic attack a little bit. And I remember I walked out to get my mail at 2.30 in the morning because it was like, <laughs> I, I didn't have a coat on. I was like, I, I, this is too much right now. And listen, I like the way you look tonight. I like the way you smell tonight. I wonder, can I? So those are the things that I really liked about Prince as I was learning more about myself because usually I'm very like non-emotional about stuff not excited about stuff. I really push down on my emotions a lot to not like address them. And so, but with Prince, when you're listening or observing him, he makes you feel very present in the moment Mm -hmm. and feel a lot, whatever you're feeling, whether it's happiness or sadness or turned on or whatever, it's 
all of those things all at once, which for me is why, because the way I'm weird about my emotions, I'd prefer to listen more than listen and see because it's too much for me. Um, But an interesting lesson to learn that it's okay to feel all of that and to not, you know, to just to enjoy it and not analyze it, but just feel all those things, you know? Mm-hmm. That was something that we had talked about when we were all at Celebration was we had watched, what was the show that, it was a 2015 Third Eye Girl show that they showed. Mm-hmm. And I personally, I felt, I felt a victim to Prince in this situation. <laughs> like, it was this crazy show and I was like, oh my gosh, I just have all these like, feelings. And I looked around and everybody else obviously does too and I was like what a talent and what a, what an art to make every person in this room and every person who was at that show and every person who's been at every print show you know feel that feel all of those things and then make it such a personal experience but you're mm-hmm. in a room you know we were in a sound stage with right. like yeah. you know what 500 other people or whatever mm-hmm. um, but what a like what a what a skill what a what a gift to be able to touch that many people on that level because like you're sitting there like oh my god this is like this is my thing this is for me he's mm-hmm. talking to me he's performing for me mm-hmm. but you're in this room with you know hundreds maybe thousands of other people you know mm-hmm. yeah and uh-huh. to feel that and he's not even here anymore that's right that's right it's just a video of him right, like, right. well yeah. stephanie what did you say like how great do you have to be to show a Right. Of you at an old concert you already did, and people are crying and screaming and like losing their minds. Yeah. Yeah. Like it felt like I was there. You know what I'm saying? Like at the actual concert concert that we were watching, and I felt that way last year when we were watching the the concert screenings. This year, and then Prince on the big screen. It was, it was so surreal because in the back of my mind. I know that he's gone, but it just, like Kanisa said, you feel so in the moment and so present. You're feeling all these things as if he is right there in front of you doing it. And that is a level of of talent, a level of giftedness that I have yet to experience in any other artist. Um, just, wow. <laughs> yeah, so um, since we did talk a little bit about celebration. So for the people who have been to Paisley Park, I know um, Stephanie and I went when they opened up for the first tribute, October 2016. And then me and Stephanie went to celebration year one. And then um, everybody, except for Sayo, but we called you. (laughs) (laughs) Went to celebration this year. And I know for, for me, the first... Well, I'll, I'll talk about celebration first time. It's to hear the stories is one thing. And we talk about um, being inspired by the way you worked and hearing stories from people how, how he could be tough and how it could be nice and all those other things. But the experience of being in Paisley Park is, is a, an experience in itself. Mm-hmm. Um because people always ask, can you feel him there or different things like that? And I know for me, at first, like October 2016, I felt it, it felt a little um, sanitized. But there are some mm-hmm. moments where you went to certain rooms, like the galaxy room, especially where it's like, oh, yeah, this is really heavy with energy in here. <laughs> but um, there, there's an experience that you have when you when you go there. 
and then how it impacts you once you're no longer there. Mm. It's real. So it's real. You guys talk about that. Do you want me to go? <laughs> I have yes. a lot to say on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> um, well, okay, so I'm not a deeply spiritual person. I have tried my whole life. I was raised Catholic. Like, at my first communion, I'm like, oh, I'm going to feel Jesus today. No, that did not happen. So I've never really felt anything. And then people always say about Paisley Park, they're like, oh, I felt him there. And I'm like, my first, like, two days in Paisley Park, and I'm like, this place is amazing. But I don't, I feel, I don't feel any of that. Um, But what ended up happening for me is that I think the third day after we left, we were in the car, and I was like, Oh, I don't want to go home. I'm not. No, no, no. Take take me back. I'm I'm not right. done yet. And I felt that like I just felt like a weird like longing to be in there. Mm-hmm. And we went back, and the, so the the last day at celebration, um, I went out during one of the shows to like use the restroom, and I went into a hallway that I was not supposed to be in. And they were like, "You're not supposed to be in here." And I was like, "I'm going to use the bathroom," and like went in there anyway. No one stopped me. Uh, but it was I was alone <laughs> in there. And I just took a second to, like, just stand there and just, like, kind of notice all the things around me. And, like, because everything is, it's wild. Like, the ceiling of the bathroom is painted galaxy. And, like, you know, (laughs) there's, like, a weird ceramic flower on the floor over here. And all the furniture is, like, this wild, like, 80s opulence. But, like, is it futuristic? It's all crazy. So I took a moment to, like, feel that. And I just felt this rush of being super inspired and, like... And like I was at home and like I felt understood, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, make whatever weird art that you want to make and people will like it and be true to yourself. And that kind of like, you know, I I feel like it's kind of a cliche sentiment or whatever. But I felt that really strongly. And when we were leaving that night, like we all got in the car together and he was like, how does everyone feel? And I cried the whole way home because I did not want to leave that like overwhelming inspiring feeling and I've never felt like that it was it was the wildest thing so yeah it was really intense in a way that I didn't expect it to be yeah um so for me it was my first time going to Paisley Park and I was so excited (laughs) um and so walking in for the first time was so overwhelming because there was so much to take in but we're of course being rushed to the town stage so there's no moment to you know really just look at everything of course not until our tour but um for me i felt myself getting emotional just because this is the moment i've been waiting for and i'm finally here and i'm in paisley park and it took me a moment to just realize that i was in his home i was in this place that he made for us. He, it, his goal was specifically to share this and to teach and to be around people that he cared about. And that was all, you know, to me, that was the purpose of Paisley Park. And so I did find myself getting emotional, but of course I sucked it up um, <laughs> because I was expecting to get emotional, um, you know, for the rest of the four days. But what ended up happening is not that. I, I definitely didn't, uh, was looking for that moment. Um, I was looking for that, I want you know that a sign of some some corny sign like a wind blowing across my face or something in print. I know, <laughs> or you know just something weird like that. Um, but I did see 
um, throughout the the celebration, I did not feel that. But what I did feel was a sense of just togetherness, um, even with people that we did not know. Everyone was so nice. Everyone was so um, open. Everyone was so welcoming. Um, and so that's, I think, in a way, that was his that was the sign. Um, and I, I was looking for, you know, this feeling of him when it was all around us. You know, it was just several random moments where I just, t- you know, turned around and looked at everybody or looked at you guys and just watched you guys um, take everything in. And, I, and you know, when I got home, that's what I thought about. Um, I was, you know, looking for this sense of him when the fam being together was pretty much you know what what I probably should have been focusing more on and so um yeah definitely leaving and you know me and Steph talked to kind of talked about that on Twitter a little bit it's just like why am I not still in Minneapolis (laughs) I want to be it (laughs) I don't want to be here I want to go and just be in Paisley Park. I just want to be on the property. I just want to go sit on the grass uh-huh. and, like, and, t- and just talk to him and just, even though I know I can do that here, um, you know, wherever I am, but I just kind of want to just be in that in his, just in that atmosphere. It's just something so electric about it. Um, and I definitely did not want to leave either. And something else I just want to mention um you know, on the, you know, I guess on the topic of what I took away from Paisley was um, wanting to learn more about music because I feel like my understanding is still, um, it's, it's, it's definitely better than it was, but I definitely, I want to learn more. I want to learn, um, you know, more about music so I can learn more about how he put his music together and how things are constructed and why, maybe why, and kind of delve deep into, um, you know, the the meaning of his, his songs, um, you know, for the ones that I, you know, may not understand it just like the beat too, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> so he, and also live music, like, oh my, there's nothing like live music. Mm-hmm. I, I've never experienced that in my life ever yeah. I've never seen anyone perform without a track behind them ever and there was just it was so electric to see Shelby J and the Funk Soldiers and and Sheila E and even F Deluxe um, <laughs> it was, it was, they sounded amazing everybody yeah. sounded so good and I remember talking to Steph about this at the house was you could it's just it was just so easy to just imagine him there because you can just just imagine him during the Funk Soldiers performance. You could just he could have just been by the drummers with his microphone and Shelby J. And the show would have been the same pretty much. And that's what I felt like. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just it was and I just love that, um, you know, he he we can feel that even though he's not here. And, you know, I remember getting emotional during live on the big screen Mm -hmm. because I just thought about, um, you know, his band is so amazing and what he left is so amazing. And, you know, so just just all of that. So the experience at Paisley was just 
something I'll never forget. And I hope to go back every year, God willing. I yeah. really do. I can't mm-hmm. imagine going to Paisley again I just I want to be there I want to I honestly want to move to Minnesota (laughs) (laughs) it's just it was amazing so yeah I'm I'm going on and on and on so you guys can go um I guess that leaves me um so first time being in Paisley um it was surreal it was really surreal and it was really bittersweet um, and like Kanisa said, it was, it did feel kind of sanitized, at least during the tour part, but in the moments that, you know, like walking in the first time, um, they kind of had us in the reception area for a little bit until we figured out, you know, where, who our tour guide was and when our tour was going to start. So just kind of standing there and being able to absorb the, um, the wall, the first wall that you, you walk by where the staircase is and um, <laughs> Carmelia, shout out to Carmelia, pointing out like where the elevator used to be. Like, it was just so emotional for me. Like I, I had like tears <laughs> on the verge of spilling for most of the tour. And then they finally spilled out in his office when, uh, when Cassandra O'Neill came in and like shared her story and she got a little choked up and I was just like, okay. And I'm crying, but, um, but definitely you could feel his energy in certain rooms, like Kanisa said as well. Um, so she mentioned the galaxy room and I kind of got that, but for me it was studio B just because of the vibe in there, like seeing all the candles that were burnt down in there, his piano, the ping pong table, knowing that that's where he recorded a lot. Um, too, it was just like, that's where I felt his energy, um, and, and felt him in, um, in Paisley for the most part. But, um, yeah, it, it was bittersweet because I was glad to be there, but it just sucked that it was under these circumstances. But you always thought your first time you'd be there, he would be there too. Like you'd be going to right, right, that you would be going to a thing. But then on the other hand, I knew most likely because I wasn't as much of a fan as I am now when he Mm -hmm. was here. I probably would never have been here anyway. Mm. So mm-hmm. it just was like, uh, how do I reconcile these feelings? Yes, it's such a hard pill to swallow. <laughs> like, how do I reconcile these feelings? Because I'm so grateful to be here, but why is it under this, this particular circumstance that I'm here? And so um, I just echo Erica's sentiments. I echo Crystal's sentiments as far as not wanting to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, it was so, so hard to leave the first time. And and the the thing that trips me out the most is I almost didn't go. I, oh. I was so close to not going. Like I was, I remember Kanisa talking about it and she's like, oh, you should just come. Like you guys should come and we have a house and this. And I was like, oh, but work. Oh, but I'm scared to fly. I've only flown once. Oh, but I don't know. I've never been. And just like every excuse possible that I could think of was going you know, it was popping into my brain. And then they announced the tribute concert. They announced that Paisley would be open for tours. And I was just like, 
when am I ever going to be able to experience this again? Not knowing that celebration was going to be a thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I was, I was just like, I, I have to go. I, I have to go. And so the fact that I almost missed that, um, just, uh, it, uh, it blows my mind. And I'm so glad Kanisa for you pressuring me into going, <laughs> and yeah peer pressure and also for peer pressuring me into going to celebration the first year <laughs> um, because being able to go back for a second time especially after such a short turnaround it was what like six months mm. if that um it just felt like being at home. I, I think Crystal, you mentioned that like everyone being so nice and being together, like that sense of togetherness. I mm -hmm. definitely, definitely felt that at celebration the first year. Um, and it was pretty cool to see familiar faces this year and, and, and just feeling like it felt like going back home. It really, really did. Um, and I think that that is such a testament to the legacy he left behind because all of his collaborators and, and, and peers call Paisley their second home. And it, <clears throat> it definitely feels like that. It feels like being at home. And I'm sure that that's what he wanted for his fans to feel at home. He built it for us. He said that. So, um, <laughs> He built it for all of us. So the fact that 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 feeling, that energy of everybody feeling at home, is able to um, you know be maintained even after his passing. I think is just again a testament to the legacy he left behind. And I want to go back now. Like I'm looking at like mm -hmm. all right. So when can I get out there to do this ultimate tour? Because I would love to be inside a studio. B yes, inside the control <laughs> room. I gotta get in there. Like just <laughs> any to be out there and and to to feel all the all of that again. I yeah. I wouldn't hesitate. I just wanted to add really quick um, in regards to celebration is that you know I listening to uh, Stephanie and Kanisa's stories about how emotional the first celebration and especially oh. the tribute was. Um, what I, I was, I was kind of glad that it, w at least for me, celebration being this being the second year, but my first time, it wasn't super emotional for me. There was times where it's just like, should I be, you know, should I feel sad right now? Because other people was, were feeling, you know, mm -hmm. emotional. Um, but for me, I, I'm just glad that the experience wasn't super emotional. Of course, I got emotional when I got home. You know, those feelings, of course, come back up. But I'm glad during celebration, it was celebration for me. Um, yeah. and, um, and I just hope next year it gets easier for other people. And I feel like once everyone gets to, or at least the majority gets to a point where it's just like, okay, I'm here to have a good time you know mm -hmm. I don't want paisley mm -hmm. workers with Kleenex boxes at the door anymore like <laughs> let's, let's, let's leave purple rain let's leave sometimes it snows in April let's leave it off the set list nothing compared to you let's, right let's, it could be done I just want, <laughs> I, I, ball, want to hear, I just want to hear his tracks whether it be Little Red Corvette or uh, Wonderful Ass or <laughs> Um, pussy control or whatever from the most common to the not most common I just want to hear yes. that music pumping everybody dancing 
and feeling good. I just, I, I hope it just gets easier for everyone as the time goes by because the, I just want celebration to really be celebration and I don't want it to be a time to grieve and I just hope it gets easier for everyone. So, yeah, that's a great point because last year, at, at least for me, it was, um, it was really emotional on the last day. I kind of mm. kept it together, like like Erica said, all throughout the um, <clears throat> the first three days. I was good. I was fine. And yeah. then that fourth day, when they did, you know, kind of a, a snippet of what became um, Prince on the big screen, and it was Purple Rain, and I, j- I mean bawling and I I didn't even <laughs> I didn't even realize that I was crying as hard as I was but it it felt it felt good to release that because I didn't realize that I was still carrying that um because I hadn't cried in months I was like oh no I'm good like I cried at pop life I cried at, you know watching purple rain I cried a few times here and there like I should be good but um just it was very heavy last year um and you could feel it it was uh, it was palpable how heavy it was um last year and you know maybe rightfully so because it's the one year anniversary and and things like that so i get it um but i am definitely with you crystal this year it felt a little more celebratory for me um uh, but it still very much was uh, a hard time for a lot of folks emotionally um but hopefully as we continue it does get to be more of a like you said, celebratory. Yeah. Yeah. I remember uh, the first tribute, the October tribute, they did the Purple Rain with him singing thing too. And um, mm-hmm. because I, I, I didn't cry about Prince at all until that day. And because um, like, you know, I mentioned being emotionally repressed and randomly I cry at random times. I'm always like, I'm never going to cry. And I just cried like an hour ago. But um, <laughs> I remember because we were sitting there and like, like my feet hurt and Purple Rain started. I was like, OK, I guess we got to do this song. Uh-huh. And then his voice came on. And at first I was like, did they get like an impersonator to sing? That's so lame because it sounded like, you know, because the band was playing and we heard the voice. And like, that's really lame, guys. Why would you do that? And then I realized it was him. And I stood up and I started like bawling, crying, and I like, had my hand in the air like it was church. And uh-huh. it was like <laughs> it was the first time I cried, and it was like this huge deluge of emotions. And then when it was over, I was like, "All right, got that over with. I, I feel better now." <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. But yep. then, um, so the first celebration happened, and then Steph had her moment during <laughs> that birthday. <laughs> but I remember looking around the room, and I think I might have been the only person who didn't cry that time because I was expecting it. But the like everyone looked completely like broken. And mm-hmm. it was amazing to see like the whole room like bawling or shocked or honestly it was a little traumatizing if I'm gonna be honest about it, even though it was the second time we'd seen that. It was just a lot. And I remember mm-hmm. they tried to bring it around with a happy song right after, but everyone's like, no, we're done. Yeah. And people like had their hands on their head. Like people were like, it was really, I've never seen that much emotion from a, such a large group of people before. And mm-hmm. it, it's pretty powerful, you know, because um, it, it, it's, he sounded so present. Like, oh, he's going to walk out. He's going to be like, psych. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> I had that thought for like two seconds. I was like, oh my gosh, is this is this when he reveals that this is all? Awesome? Yeah, oh. like maybe he was like, you know, going through something and now he's back? Like, wait, wait. Now no, he's going to come out and lecture us about real music. <laughs> real music. <laughs> 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 the power of life. No, but um, oh, it's, 
it's really amazing like someone was saying earlier that this dude most of us have never met him but we all feel like he's he's or we call him boyfriend in our group he's like he's first boyfriend or fairy god boyfriend right the professor it's he's a human absolutely but what happens when you lean into your gifts and unapologetically like grow them and practice so that you can have this impact on people and Mm -hmm. everybody has something about them that they're talented and gifted with but a lot of people are afraid to share afraid to really dig in and feel like they're not good enough or whatever but when you do that you kind of block your blessings a little bit because Mm. or block the blessings for other people to receive your gift too so for me like these are some of the things that I'm learning about myself and like I would never think I'd be on a podcast <laughs> talking about Prince because you know I'm very self-conscious about my voice and things like that but here we are and I, I was very to myself I went to work I went home that was my life pretty mm-hmm. much my whole life didn't really date anybody didn't have a social life didn't couldn't pick up the phone and be like hey what's up with anybody because I didn't develop those relationships and then mm-hmm. he transitioned and then I met people in Atlanta who were Prince fans, started going to parties with them, started the Tumblr group, met all you guys, yeah. traveled with you guys, who I've never met before on the internet. And my parents were like, yeah. who is this person? <laughs> Give me the address. What is their name? What's their phone number? <laughs> and I'm so like, true. I'm 30, guy. I'm 33 years old. Why are we still doing this, parents? But um, <laughs> it's kind of crazy, like, how, like, Steph, you were, like, first time on the plane by yourself and Crystal. And it's crazy that mm-hmm. through, you know, going deeper with Prince, we learn more about ourselves and being better about being who we truly are and it's you know that type of growth is crazy yeah 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 Yeah. I I completely agree and just what you said about leaning into your gifts and we had this conversation when we were in uh Minnesota what was that seven years ago now um (laughs) 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 like it feels so long ago I can't believe it but yeah but just what the what the impact would be if all of us just leaned into our gifts like you said and and really um and this is something i think about anyway just because of my my spiritual background uh, about how i show up in people's lives but i i cannot sit here and say that this whole experience um post duckage <laughs> has not made me consider that more just seeing the aftermath of what his showing up in other people's lives look like. And I'm just like, I'm always, always thinking about that in all of my interactions now. Whereas before I was a lot more passive about it. Um, it's like, you know, I, I might have a good day. I might have a bad day. And, you know, he had those too, but at the, but people still, even in his worst days, people still, knew who he was at his core and that is why they speak about him the way that they do now and that is why they live the way or it's part of the reason why they live out the way they live their lives now because of the way he lived his life and it is such a such a true thing that you said Kanisa about you are not only blocking your blessings but you could possibly be blocking others blessings as well if you are not at least on the trajectory to walk in your full potential and and so and and you know just I uh, 
Yeah. It's so convicting. It's so freaking convicting for me. And I I think about it daily. The ongoing thing that you hear from the people who worked with him is how hard he pushed you and how he said, uh, Mm -hmm. oh, you do this now. Like, like John Blackwell, oh, you're going to run sound. Like, what? What? I don't know how to run sound. Like, yeah, you do. You'll figure it out. Right. That kind of thing is so inspiring to me. Like, I need (laughs) I need to have that kind of belief in myself. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. like. As a person who, you know, I create varying degrees of art, whatever, I'm like, I need to put that kind of stock in myself because, you know, he would see that in people and make them believe that about themselves and, you know, and kind of lead them down this path of like, well, yeah, just try it. Like, yeah, you do this now. You can do it. And I, that is also a really was a big takeaway for me from like being in Paisley Park and hearing all those stories and stuff. Um, yeah. Wow. So you're going to come next year? Yeah, I was gonna say, I want to go so bad, y'all. All your life plans, please. (laughs) Clear it out. I was so close. Um, I think when Kanisa, you had posted it on in our group, um, I was in lecture as I read it and I was like <laughs> dying inside. I wanted <laughs> so badly to make it work, but I just kind of, I knew that it really wasn't. I'm uh, doing a master's and I just knew like, it'll be like three weeks away from finals and I'd be dying. But I I think next year I'm going to have to go. Yeah, I have you to. do. You do. I have mm-hmm. to. Um. I did want to note one thing, a uh, difference between first year and second year. First year when we left, I had, I was very much about, okay, we have like this tendency as Prince fans to consume him and consume him and consume him and, you know, not really do anything with that. And so my goal with the first year is more to, more than like watch all the things and listen to all the things, but also to share these things so other people can hear it. And so I don't know if I should mention this, you know, the mixed cloud stuff or like, let's dig into this random bootleg that's like, uh, I don't know, the work part eight in CD number 52. Blast from the past part 92. (laughs) (laughs) And dig out this song for people to hear because it's really cool and maybe it's unfinished, but it's a different version of something that you might know or it might be something you've never known before. So let's share some of that. But this year, you guys noted all... The, the energy in Paisley and how you feel inspired at Paisley and all this other stuff. It's like my goal for this coming year is to create Paisley where I'm at. So mm-hmm. um, like my job day to day, I'm a IT development lead. So I, I lead teams and we're doing software. And part of that is this agile methodology, which very much is in line with how Prince did stuff. So it's not so much like, what is the cadence of your work? Did you get your work done? It's as a team, we're all working together. We're all accountable for the product. We all want to make sure it's good. Um, and we all recognize that, you know, it's iterative development. You're going to make a mistake. You're going to learn from the mistakes and we're continuously improve. And so for me, like outside of that, even more, it's like when you're in Paisley Park, I'm not sure I would recommend this, but there are people who would be in line to get merch and they'll hand a complete stranger their credit card and be like, hey, can you get me that? I'm going to go to the bathroom and not feel anything about it. I mean, it's a little weird, but it happens. And, <laughs> yeah. Or even like um, someone starting to like 
have a breakdown right next to you and like you're holding on to them or hugging them or you're sitting next to someone who would normally never speak to and just break up a conversation like Zach from Prince Songs. He was just sitting yeah. next to like these 40 year old women. Like, yeah, she made so many friends. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I had that happen a couple times. It was just like, oh, hey, how are you? You know, is this your first time? And I just, I love that. Yeah. 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 And like, hey, you were on my flight two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, that's part of, you know, why that feels so special. But also to take that and do that with people around you. Like if you're walking down the street, why do you just ignore the person to say, hey, how are you? Like, what's up? How's your day going? And not like a smile thing, you know, that people say, hey, why aren't you smiling? But, you know, to be genuinely invested in the people who are around you or if someone's having like if someone's being or to just encourage someone like you don't yeah. have to criticize everybody like they're just trying it out. So just, you know, say keep trying or give an encouraging word or give a hug or just don't be judgmental. Just accept someone's situation as theirs and let them figure it out. It's like, just make Paisley Park where you're at. And I'm trying to do that online too. Cause sometimes, you know, especially when you're in the Prince account and you're tweeting out stuff and someone will respond in a really negative or critical way. A year or two ago, I'd probably be like, well, here's what you didn't know. And this should be corrected. And it's like, no one cares let them agree. I mean, they can look it up or something or just respond with a positive, you know, like someone's being critical. You say, well, maybe here's a different perspective. And then you go back and forth. And I've changed a lot of conversations I've had online that way when someone came at me with some kind of negativity and I respond in kindness and it changes the whole trajectory of the conversation to, you know, when it's over, we're friends, you know? So it's like, yes. Again, from earlier, you don't know what they're going through. You don't know why they're responding. Maybe something happened to them. If you respond with kindness, now they have an example of, you know, a good situation, you know. So, um, yeah. So, again, this year, last year was tell people more about Prince and so they can learn. This year is spread the energy of Paisley where I am. I love that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I really love that. Um, That's powerful. We'll see how well it works. No one's really come for me hard yet, so we'll see. <laughs> like, actually, Put this never mind. I'm about to write a song. It's called F U N K. Like that one song he did. Uh, yeah. I do love um, what you said about Prince sort of investing in the people around them, and how we can, you know, we can do that too. Um, I can't remember who. I think it was like Esperanza. Spalding or something. I don't think she was even talking about Prince, but she was talking about how she got into music in the first place. And she said that it was just um, a bunch of uh, adults in her neighborhood who just like worked together to create this little music club. Um, And it went on for years and years and years. And if it hadn't been for that, that was the only way that was the only way she could have had access to music. I think I hope I'm getting that story right. And um you never think about it, but it's just like lots of little miracles like that. It doesn't have to be like a huge investment of time. Right. But even Prince himself, like there was somebody in his community who told him he could do it. You know what I mean? Or told him that he was good. And I mean, you know, he, you have to give him credit for what he put into himself, but he couldn't have done it on his own. And we also can just invest, even if it's just a little bit, just like a little bit of encouragement into other people. You never know what you're going to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. So does anybody have any parting thoughts you want to share? Um, we're talking about, again, how have you changed? We'll, we'll go around the world. Uh, around the world, guys. We'll go around the table. In a day? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so just parting thoughts. Um, thinking about how you were post-book out and how you perceived yourself to be differently from what you've learned after the duck out? Um, I think for me, I'm a lot more perceptive. I, I feel like I look at things more deeply than I did before um, after his passing. I feel like, um, you know, whether it's with music or with, um, you know, reading someone's opinion or just any type of think piece, or with Prince in general, I definitely try not to look at things just on its face. And I try to ask questions of why this happened or, um, you know, I guess maybe more on Kinesis' points of not passing judgment. But, um, you know, I think that's what, for me, what it is. It's just having a, a deeper perspective on things because he you know you can't just look at prince on his face it would be the most deceiving thing in the world he is one of the most complex artists ever you know you really have to dig deep um his story and his his views his opinions everything that he's gone through is in his music so you really can't just look at it a a image or a title or a lyric you really just kind of have to piece things together and um you know ask questions and kind of just take your perspective and, um, you know, come, come to a conclusion. And so I think that's pretty much how I've changed, um, since Prince died. Cause it definitely, I definitely wasn't that way before he died. I kind of was just, I listened to 3121 on repeat. I listened to, <laughs> um, you know, that that was just my album. I love Raven to the Joy Fantastic, you know, um, and I love I loved a lot of his 80s stuff. I didn't listen to a whole lot of the 90s po- um, before he passed. I was a, you know, typical Purple Rain. Um, but 3121 was really my album. Um, but yeah, after his passing, I, I definitely, you know, getting into bootlegs was probably the first step for me. Um, learning, listening to... Just, I mean, his stage presence is so different from the actual, he just, he brings the, you'll feel like you're listening to a different track. And, you know, that by itself was just one of the ways I was able to just dig really, really deep. And I feel like that branched out into other aspects of my life. So I feel like that's kind of how he helped me um, or what, how he's affected my life since he passed away. Uh, I'll, I'll bite. Um, I went through, you know, your typical grief, like, oh, life is short. I got to do stuff. Um, and I had spent the past couple years just like working, just really only working. And, uh, so like 2016, I went, I visited both my grandparents, which I hadn't done since I was, you know, in 10 years, whatever. Um, I saw my family a lot more and I just started to like take advantage of, opportunities that uh, just on on feeling that guilt of not getting to see him live because like I live in LA he was at the forum here 
I wasn't in town for those. And it was like, oh, I'll see him later. And, you know, he comes back and it's like, I'll see him later. And then there's no later. So mm-hmm. that kind of that typical like, oh, my God, I can't miss out on stuff, you know, right before we left for celebration. And I'm messaging Stephanie like we have to see Beyonce now <laughs> and see her bank account with me. <laughs> did we did (laughs) we did uh but stuff like that and then um also just um working hard and i I don't know being being inspired by somebody who you know as we talked about he worked really really hard and applying that to myself Mm -hmm. like because I have a day job and I have like an Etsy store and then I'm like, but what else can I do? How can I challenge myself? What can I do to move beyond that? Like how, what would Prince do? He would not sleep and work constantly, (laughs) which I don't necessarily recommend, but that (laughs) would kind of inspire me to like take myself more seriously as an artist and push myself in those ways. Like harder than, harder than I, I was previously mm-hmm. I guess mm-hmm. uh, oh, go ahead. oh no go okay. ahead sis <laughs> <laughs> so for me um definitely can echo what Erica said just as far as um you know making sure I'm not putting off things that I want to do until later because later might not come. Um, So it definitely, I mean, again, like I said earlier, I never would have jumped on a plane to Minneapolis just to go to Paisley Park um, (laughs) with people that I've known for a full three months at the time. (laughs) Trying to explain that to my parents, to my mom, like, hey, so I'm going to Minneapolis. Oh, who are you going with? My friends, which friends? My exactly. friends. <laughs> They're my friends. That's why you need to know. But um, but yeah, like I never would have met you incredible people who I adore each and every one of you and our folks that are not on the podcast that were part of our group originally. Um, I have been to places that I never imagined going to. Like you could not get me on a plane before 2016. And once in 2015, when I went to see my sister and that was because I had to see my sister. So, um, and, and then as far as just my day to day, um, really, again, what I said earlier about thinking and, and really trying to, um, be more aware of the way I show up in people's lives and, the the type of impression I leave. And I don't mean impression like, oh, do they like me? But just as far as what am I what am I sharing knowledge wise, what am I sharing as far as wisdom, things that I've been giving, am I paying it forward? Am I using my gifts to um, just be a blessing to other people? Am I, you know, how how am I showing up to them and what am I leaving them with? Mm. Um, how do and people that, feel after they're with you mm-hmm. do they absolutely. feel like it was a positive experience right. you know? absolutely and, and, and again that, that those are things that I thought about before but not as not as much it, it really pushed me to a different level of, of awareness as far as that's concerned um, especially in in per, interpersonal relationships um, especially at work because I've been 
everyone that knows me knows that I have had frustrations with my job. Um, but, um, making sure because I am a supervisor, um, that I don't just stop at supervisor, but I'm also, you know, at different times I might need to be a counselor. I might need to just be a friend. I might need to be this, that. And so, um, that has really, his legacy has taught me that I, I need to wear all those different hats, um, in order to really walk in my gift. And then the third thing that I started realizing is, um, just kind of being comfortable with me and being confident in me. Like I've always been relatively reserved. So yeah, like Anissa said, I would never hop on a podcast or uh, get up on stage and dance with the time or, um, you know, any of that stuff. So yeah, um, just trying new things and being confident in doing them and enjoying the experience. Yeah, I feel the same way. Um, I definitely think I've put a little bit more energy into like expanding myself because it's wild how um, we just block ourselves because we think something I kind of thing. But you can. Um, So there's a lot. I think uh, left. I started examining, examining, (laughs) examining um, like my motivations and my intent for doing the stuff, the things that I do. I mean, kind of like y'all said um, before, I'd been just kind of living passively and living according to what a lot of other people value. Mm. And so his death was like a wake up call. Like, well, what do I value? Cause that matters too. Mm-hmm. And just even that like switch in mindset, it causes, uh, it's like a ripple effect. It mm-hmm. just manifests in so many different ways. So even in like, like I'll be shopping for clothes like once or twice a year that I do that. And I'll be like, <laughs> This is, you know, I don't really wear this color. Oh, but maybe, you know, I might, you know, I could rock it. Yes. Stuff like that. Stuff like that. Um, just valuing what I love and what I'm interested in, even if it's like not socially useful. I don't know if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. Awesome. Um, I, I guess for me, I agree with all of what you guys said and also all of the things apply, um, except for me, I think I take my life less seriously because Ooh. I would worry so much. I'd have like plan A, B, C, D, E, F, G for work. Um, I, uh, I would just, you know, be concerned what people thought or I have to, you know, I have to overwork. I have to be seen as, you know, special or that everyone likes me or that everyone knows me to be a hard worker and I have to do more than what people expect always. And I have to stay up until like 11 o'clock at work and not leave and, you know, all that stuff. And then he passed away and the story of him being on the elevator by himself and no one being there. And I was like, wow, because that could easily be me because while I'm working like this, again, like I said earlier, I'm not establishing friendships where people would be like, hey, let's go to lunch because I'm busy working or, you know, um, it's just I'm so focused on being this successful person, like I'm, I'm 33, I got my house, I got my nice career with a nice salary, but what else do I have besides that, <laughs> you know? Um, mm-hmm. So it's like, 
it's going to be okay. I don't have to have plan A through F. Maybe a plan B is fine, but I'm going <laughs> to trust myself more because oh. I, I know what the answer is. I don't have to worry and stress about it. It's going to work out. And if it doesn't work out, then it's a lesson, but it's not the end of the world. So relax. And so, and then also, you know, talking to people more. Like I probably talked to Erica almost every day for the last few years. And it's true. Yeah. And so like, I never, like, I know Erica's taught me, you know, to be, to ask people, how are you? You know, because I, I probably mm-hmm. would have never done that before. And to be concerned. I mean, because I'm, I'm usually concerned about others, but I'm like, I'm just going to worry about it. And did someone make it? Like, I, I had this boyfriend a couple years ago, and he lived like two blocks away. And I'd be like, text me when you get home. I just want to make sure you're not in a ditch, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. <laughs> so it's just like, whatever happens, it's meant to happen. Don't worry about it so much. Um, Sometimes you're going to learn a lesson. Sometimes it's going to work out. Sometimes it's not. It's not the end of the world. Um, don't need to worry about this thing you don't have control over. Leave it up. Not, you know, let it go and leave it up to a chance, but just don't worry. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So thank you guys for participating in this first episode of Muse to the Pharaoh. Um, can you guys, like, talk about where you can be found, your handles, and things like that. Oh, um, so you can find me most often on Twitter. So if you guys would like to follow me, my Twitter handle is going to be CrystalXO, but it's like with five A's. So it's like <laughs> C-R, it's, it's spelled typically Crystal, C-R-Y-S-T-A-A-A-A-L-X-O. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> my Twitter um, and also Tumblr because I, I you know for print Tumblr is probably where you'll find me also and my print Tumblr is going to be graffiti dash bridge you know pretty simple yeah um, so I am literally the same person on every single social media platform there is Stephanie Janae, all one word. Janae is J-U-H-N-A-Y. If you're looking for print content, follow me on Tumblr there because that's where I do most of my printing. Um, <laughs> Twitter uh, I am is more like my normal brain, which is all over the place. So, <laughs> um, yeah. And what other social media? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Twitter, Tumblr. Instagram, if you feel like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, go, you go. Okay. <laughs> you, can, <laughs> you can find me at Fisayo Adet. That's F-I-S-A-Y-O-A-D-E-T. At, um, that's on Twitter. And then you can find me on Tumblr as well. Just Prince Things. That's just with, um, I guess, what do you call them? Hyphens in the middle of them. Hopefully that was clear. um for print stuff um i'm the dash beautiful dash number one on tumblr because what would a prince blog be without a number in place of a word and then on instagram um i'm erica strata uh, E-R-I-K-A-S-T-R-A-D-A. But that's like low print content, high dog pictures and selfies. So, you know, <laughs> here's your 
poison. <laughs> okay, and then I'm Darling Nisi. Um, I'm that on Twitter as well as on Tumblr. And of course, I'll hop on occasionally on the Prince podcast, of which we are a subset. So, everyone, thank you so much, and we'll see you next time. So there it is for all to see. Now what's beyond you and me? Depends, my friends, primarily on how you view your role in eternity. If she could be muse to the Pharaoh.